Mark, how are you today, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm struggling. So I, I think I, I may have told you, I don't remember, uh, but I got my, my nephews are coming out to visit me in a couple months here. They're, they're okay, quite okay. like, I sounds, makes me sound so old and I'm not that old, but they're quite younger than I am. They're 20 and 22 years old. So, you know, compared to me who will, I'll be, I'm, I'm almost 34. It feels like, like an entire generation in between, but I'm trying to like rack my brain on what to do with them while they're here you know like i can mm -hmm. i can do the the touristy stuff of hey let's go see some cool castles let's go get you a giant bratwurst um let's go down to the red light district and find you a hooker it's great like all that sort of stuff like that seems pretty basic you can't take them on the mark tour johnny come on <laughs> i mean i if anyone would appreciate it i would hope they would appreciate it as much as you um but i'm, I'm thinking to myself like i gotta i want to kind of tailor this to something that that younger generations like and there's this place that i've been seeing flyers all over town and it, it's like drinking and karaoke and you get these like i don't know private rooms and you don't have to do it in front of a whole bunch of people and all that sort of stuff and and like it, it's kind of strange they have this you know how most most bars and stuff they'll have a a cover like hey you either got to pay the cover charge you got to buy two drinks or whatever it is for these places, it's you have to sing a minimum of three, uh, three Hasselhoff songs in order for it to like count against the tab, like all that sort of shit. Okay, y okay. you know Germans. Um, but I was thinking, <laughs> I'm like that might be a fun thing to do, right? What are you? What are your thoughts? You think? You think? Uh, I don't know. What you had to go and sing karaoke somewhere with your uncle? Would would that be fun? Uh, with my uncle, no, he sucks. But if you're my uncle, yeah, it'd be fun. But so, what would you sing? Because I got my song picked out. Ooh, well, tell me your song, because then, uh, then I want to know. Uh, mine would say, "Oh, Johnny, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind." Let's podcast. <laughs> Let's podcast. <laughs> Ooh. You know what mine is? <laughs> What's that? Dang, 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 old podcast, dang, 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 old podcast, Mark and Johnny gonna talk King of the Hill. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that might be the most deepest cut we have ever, <laughs> like multiple cons singing. You knew what I was doing and I knew what you were doing. Yeah. Wow. Welcome back to the Dangle Podcast, everybody. The weekly King of the Hill podcast where I, Mark, and my good buddy, Johnny, we take two episodes of that beloved adult animation classic and we talk about the goods and bads and highs and lows. And then we read each other's minds and have the greatest cold <laughs> open we've done in, what is this, 110 episodes, I think? Yeah, almost 115. <laughs> Jesus. So to that end, Johnny, you just want to jump on into it, buddy? I say, I say it's the only option for us today. We're going to start with episode 229, Pour Some Sugar on Con. Very clearly a reference to Poison's song, Pour Some Sugar on Me, which you and I would probably be hearing blaring out of John Redcorn's crappy Jeep Wrangler. Mark, original air date for this episode, March 30th, 2008. This is written by our, uh, our good buddy, Sanjay Shah. Uh, where did we see him last? We just saw him in a raise the stakes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, he 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 came out swinging, um, and he's he's continued to kind of at least perform, right? We haven't seen a real big stinker from him since he got promoted to uh to main writer on a show on this show. So, hey, I mean, he did I'm Grand Theft Arlen, and you and I gave that a char king, or it's a we gave it an as an, an imperial. imperial. So he's yeah. yeah, that dude is what's up. We like yeah, it's it, like I said, he's I see his name now, and I get kind of excited. I'm like, cool. Late game King of the Hill. If it's Sanjay Shah, I'm probably into it. That's that's what the pattern I'm noticing here. Mm-hmm. Um, our cast of characters for this episode are Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale Gribble, Bill Dotrieve, Boomhauer, Khan, Min, and Connie, Supernus and Pone, General Gum, Ted with Sana Song, and a non-speaking role, and I didn't notice him here, but maybe you did, of one Chick Mangione. Yeah, I saw a good old Chick and then, according to IMDb, this is his last appearance. Interesting. Okay, I'll keep my eye yeah. open for him. Um, was he at the karaoke bar? Is that why I missed him? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll keep my eyes open on a rewatch of this one. Because, um, uh, yeah, it was. I just didn't notice him in there. But this is really, this is a good con vehicle for introducing a character we've heard about a couple of times, but never at length. Um. We've only ever known the myth of of the general, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is our guest star, and he's not really a. I mean, he's he's no stranger to King of the Hill. This is James C. Everybody, James C. Yeah, he's been a. Excuse me. I don't know. We go back and forth. At, yeah, I don't. I'm not C gonna. I don't know. <laughs> C and say a cinema goes. Yeah, no, he was uh, Jackie Chan in the Jackie Chan Adventures. Um, on this, he was a monk in Won't You Pee My Neighbor among other things. He's around quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he is... He's the actual Asian guy. They get to voice Asian guys. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, synopsis for this uh, week's episode. Khan embraces his love of singing at a karaoke bar and stirs up competition with his father-in-law. And Bobby learns about bragging rights. Our A story this week is Khan. Our B story that it kind of, sort of, but not really ties into the A story uh, is Bobby and Peggy. I would say this is like the subbiest of subprimes of B, of a B story um, because the only thing they have writing on it at the end is is like, oh, well, this is an, a direct outcome of the A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, actually, I had that note with the B plot is um, it's only two scenes. And then the resolution scene. So I guess it's yeah. three scenes, whatever, three scenes for three acts. But um, yeah, it's really barely more than a sub one, I would say. Right. Yeah. It's very, very small for a for a B plot for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't even so. call it a B plot. I just say it's a sub one. OK, cool. Uh, well, let's jump into it, man. Give me some of your notes. Um, some of my notes, the guys in the alley in their work clothes, it's just cute. Um, we haven't seen Bill in his, <laughs> uh, fatigues in a damn minute. It's true. Um, work from home. What the hell does that mean? I can't conceive that that would be a number one, the, the, the norm and the demand in 2023, let alone a punishment in 2008. Ha 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 ha. That's that's the only retro reference rage I have for this episode is that telecommute being a privilege <laughs> used to be a thing. Oh, it sounds like it was a punishment. Like 
Yeah, that's how the the his coworkers make it sound like, oh, they're making you work from home. And I mean, we all know that Khan is he's an ass. In the words of of Midge, he's an ass. I <laughs> it's just kind of is what it is, but I don't know. Yeah. I think I might really enjoy working from home. I might just have to be a like a, a very bad therapist and just not be able to go into into work. Mine works from home. <laughs> yeah, no, I I only I exclusively work from home. That's the joke, buddy. Oh, I was like I don't understand the problem. Mine like only works. I think I'm pissing her off because I don't know how to feel about anything. <laughs> I could tell she was real I could tell she was real disappointed I wasn't more broken up about my granddad (laughs) Um, anyway (laughs) what do you want me to do I don't know how to do this shit like (laughs) what I don't know if my real dad is alive or dead but the man who acted as my dad is dead so essentially my dad is dead I don't whatever Uh, the general is hilarious. Speaking of dads, uh, the general is goddamn hilarious. Number one, God, he's, he's such basically. A dickhead. Well, so I had this thought. He is literally. I was like, wow, they're really good at writing him. No, they're not. They're just recycling cotton. Number one. Yeah. Short guy, war criminal, bald, angry, like. They, yeah. It, it, it's militaristic, yeah. and I'm not yeah. mad about it. It's cool to see cotton without seeing cotton, especially like in this light. Like you know that cotton and the general would have piled around because they probably both hate the Japanese. But like, yeah, he's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only difference here is that he cotton hated both Hank and Peggy, and it, the general at least likes uh, men. Mm-hmm. So, but no, like that's a dude. That's a great way of looking at that i didn't even consider that like why does this feel so natural that's probably why yeah very cottony or or very cotton feeling but he's also just kind of he's also fun he is just as crazy and over the top like there's that you know the bit like you'd be better if you married fukong river fat river i don't know whatever you know i'm talking about the guy you'd be better if you married him you and Connie, I wouldn't exist. Is that what your dad told you? That's great. That's <laughs> such a drag and drop. I want talk radio and Frank Sinatra. He's <laughs> yeah, it's great. Where's my red? I don't... Where are my condiments? <laughs> yeah, my angry rooster. Where's my hot sauce? <laughs> you know that is that is tantamount to smells like pancakes. I'll have waffles. Smells like rice or smells like spring rolls i'll have pot stickers i don't know (laughs) sugar salt sody pop (laughs) (laughs) coringa peaches and heavy syrup okay (laughs) (laughs) oh wow i don't know if this is a I do too. I miss. <laughs> and her finger I miss paints. the <laughs> finger paints like a little baby. Uh, um, Dale called Pornhub in 2022, sleeping with a man's wife while people watch and cheer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then finally, this is just a note. I've never done a karaoke show, but I have done slam poetry shows and 
Usually the headliner is definitely not opening. Right. I just, that part was weird. I don't know. Um, your cons, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, those are my notes. Johnny, what do you got for me, buddy? <laughs> um, so th- this, this ties directly into telecommuting and, and con just kind of like showing off about it. And Hank's response of why would you do that? You need to be at work. Like you need to be in the office. And I just had this like shuddering image of whatever <laughs> the fuck this reboot's supposed to be. And him talking about the pandemic. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to see it. There's going to be an episode nope. around it. And I don't want to see it. Like, nope, not I'm at telling all. you now, I, Hulu, yep. if you, if you don't fucking put that in the little liner and tell me that this is a fucking pandemic episode, I'm going to be so pissed off. <sighs> but at this point yeah. too, it's like kind of hack. It's been three years. Like, yeah, but it's still, it, I mean, it's still easy enough and fresh enough. Like I can oh, see. Oh no, I I know. Like, I, we're ramping up to two point So, lo- gotta yeah. love them reboots. Um, next note here. I noticed this before, and it could just be an animation flub. But did you notice the kitchen knives in the Super Pones like kitchen in the background? Mm, no, I didn't. They are like the weirdest, jankiest, either m- most oddly drawn or most fucking racist things ever. Like, I swear to God, one of their cleavers is a straight-up scimitar. Like, it's the size of a scimitar, and it's hanging, like, in their kitchen like you'd use it to cut things with. Like, this is, is it, this is it, the sort of shit Johnny, as a third grader, would draw for a stick figure to wield because it has extra points on it, which makes it look fucking cooler. Okay. It's it's gnarly, dude. Next time you go through and watch it, like either that or or hey, make that the still for this week's episode. Just like zoom in on it and see. I will it's see so what dumb. I can do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they okay. just they look very off to me. Um. Okay, so Dale is talking about how the general has like he, he's commanded armies and he did this and he did that or. Or somebody's talking about it, and then they end up with, and then he worked for Pac Bell, and they shudder. Mark, <laughs> yeah. do you know what Pac Bell is? It was a telephone company, right? Correct, correct. They were bought out by AT and T. They still technically, kind of, sort of exist as like a weird subsidiary. Um, my cool, like, little claim to fame. In, let's see, this would have been the early '90s when they filmed it. Die Hard Two, Die Harder. Uh, John McClane has to deal with some sort of crazy person. I think it's Jeremy Irons in an airport, and it's supposed to be in Washington, D.C. That airport okay. is actually in Colorado, or was in Colorado. It's the old Stapleton International Airport, which they knocked down and made oh. DIA for. Do you want to okay. know how you can tell? And this is how Pac Bell t- ties in. How? Uh, because at one point there is, there's Pacific Bell payphones everywhere in that airport because we're in Colorado and we're on the Pacific side of the United States. Pac Bell doesn't <laughs> exist in Washington, D.C. <laughs> okay. Right on. Guys, go watch the second Die Hard and laugh at this, this massive flub. And you can say, Pac Bell isn't in Washington, D.C. You guys, I hope somebody gets fired for this blunder. And then marvel at what we used to have as a uh, very tiny international airport in Colorado compared to the monstrosity 
that is now DIA, which is like, I don't know, the third busiest airport in the entire fucking country. Yeah, with all the Illuminati running around in it. <sighs> hey, you have to keep all of those like <laughs> tiny, t- tiny like indigent slave kids in the in the basement somehow. Um, it's the only way we keep those five G's, five uh, G signals running. Okay. Um, sadly, that's what I was really doing when we were waiting to go to uh, Kansas City. I wasn't getting drunk. <laughs> I was looking for them damn kids, and I found them. You were... Then they sprayed me with like... liquor and sat me down at a bar so no one would believe me. <laughs> this is not the land of the jockeys, Mark. <laughs> um, okay, so. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I just sadly. I just played that entire scene in my head, and then like they dropped me off at that bar where I met you, and you're you're yeah, hammered. Sure thing, the Rummy. children, Johnny. The, the children. All right, Rummy. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um. So sadly, this I tried to look it up. There are no lyrics that match for it, except for some weird like electronica house shit from 2020 or something like that. Uh, but the song that Ted Wasana song is singing when we're listening to him is not real. At least I couldn't find any lyrics to an existing song. So it's something that they made up. It makes oh, me tag sad. In. Tag in. Please tell me what Ted's song is because I couldn't figure it out. So per a Google search of me just going hot danger, um, it popped up with the Our King of the Hill Reddit. And according to them, it's uh, by somebody named Frika. Interesting. Yeah, Hot Danger by Frika. But I don't know Freaka. if that's real or not. I just, I decided to pull a U and I looked at my own wiki. And nice. <laughs> we'll just no, gamble and roll the dice on if it's right or not. But Hey, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but um, I know well, that cool. you know our next song, right? Our next yes, on this track. That's my next, that's my next note here. It's Maureen McGovern's The Morning After. Um, I have never actually listened to this song. I've only ever heard the Khan Supanusipone cover of this song. It sounds like the most soft rock, like Celine Dion crap I've ever imagined. Why in the world was he drawn to this song? I don't, I don't know. It just, it is also, we need to point out that in um, South Park, this is the song that the succubus sings to entrance uh, Chef and Miriam. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's great. Like, there's the whole deal, and, like, you got to play the Succubus song backwards. So they, like, learn how to play it backwards on instruments, and it's it's great. That's the awesome. one where It's the one with the chef's parents, and they show up, and, I saw the Loch Ness Monster. He asked me for tree fitty. That's where that comes from. But also, ah, okay. this song, it plays prominently, and I listened to it this morning, and I'm like, God, fuck you, Marine. But... <laughs> Well, I think God fucked her by naming her Maureen, but okay. That would be her parents, but yes. <laughs> uh, through She's... God, all things happen, Mark. Uh, my last <laughs> note here is that <laughs> there is there is such a positive vibe here that okay. and, uh, the connection that I made was that Khan is engaging in a hobby that's not overly competitive, right? It's not like there are... are uh, I don't know, at least not in Arlen, there's not a bunch of of crazy karaoke contests or like tournaments right. or or shit like that. You know, they're not doing America's Got Talent or American Idol or The Voice for karaoke in Arlen. So he's found 
a hobby that's not overly competitive that like kind of helps boost his confidence. Guys, I challenge you all, look at your hobbies and see if you've got any that are not competitive. Um, I love to play video games. I love to paint miniatures. There is still a very competitive nature to a lot of the shit that I genuinely love to do. Some of the other stuff that I that I <laughs> What's really competitive find myself... about a thing called Warhammer? Come on now. Even though I don't even play the fucking game, I, it's still competitive because, like, I, I have to compare how my my miniatures are painted or how I managed to glue them all together to everybody else's and why does mine have mold lines and why did mine not, not look good? Anyway, um, I look at, at, at my own hobbies and there's a few of them that I have that aren't overly competitive. Reading is a big one for me. You know, you can't be competitive when you read a fucking book. Unless you're literally trying to, like, I don't know, read it faster than somebody else. What am I going to do? Like, Straight idea things harder? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. guys, go and try and encourage, encourage those hobbies that don't have a super competitive nature, especially if they make you feel good. Because, damn, does Khan just feel good at, and at peace at life in this episode. Just getting to sing his, his little Laotian heart out. <laughs> uh those are my notes let's jump into some pros man what do you, what did you like about this episode um what did i like about this episode uh well that was my favorite moment so i can't tell you that one um con singing in general we like it anyway you and i opened this episode yeah. with references to that but also dude toby huss really puts his ankles in it like this he does yeah. a great job this he does an amazing job He's got a huge range this week. Yeah, between him and Ted, it, it's amazing. Like, you know, blue flame to you, Mr. Huss. Once again, once again, Toby Huss just knocking out of the park. Um, You got top billing over Dip Pro, Dip Pro Non. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dale's weird connection to the Laotian karaoke community. Okay, I don't care, but I'll take it. Um, And right. this is the best build that we have gotten in a, in quite a while i would say i'm not sure the last time we got build that was this good yeah i started thinking i'm like why is why is bill once again interjecting himself into this but he becomes like this is like almost like heat waver bill but he has a better purpose right he's there to kind of like genuinely support Khan, and he's like oh my god this is something i think it's because we can imagine bill doing this with him right right yeah yeah, no, this it's a very good bill. Yeah, I was really into him. It was just nice to see. It's been so damn long, you know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, those are my pros, buddy. Gotcha. Um, let's see here. To start mine off, um, for the very little of a B story we have, I like how strong it starts because it's always entertaining to me to watch Bobby talk trash to Peggy. And damn, does he do it good. <laughs> like that yeah. scene makes me laugh. He he latches onto the concept of bragging rights really well. Um, so I'm I'm glad just cool. If you're only gonna use Bobby like sparingly, this is a good way to use him. Um the juxtaposition of the general and Khan is why I care about Khan this episode. And it's also a perfect example of why I fucking hate him almost like I'm supposed to hate his character in every other episode, right? The general is so much of a dick in this episode, and it seems like it is just, there is no rhyme or reason for it. No matter what Khan does, it's not going to change. And this, 
is how Khan treats everybody in the alley for every other episode of this show. They haven't really done anything to personally offend him. But you know what? He's just going to be a dick and he's just going to keep riding you. And it, it doesn't matter if you offer him a beer, you offer him like the nicest steak at the party. It, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. He's just going to look at you like you are lower than dirt. And that's exactly mm -hmm. how his stepdad treats him. So it's a huge pro to me because it's it's relatable. And it shows us where Khan is getting a lot of his anger and frustration and why he treats the Pete guys in the alley that way. You know, like that's mm -hmm. the only person that makes him feel that big is one that he can't get rid of. So. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Like dynamic here. I love, I loved it. It set it up to where like a oh, cool, I like, I, I love Khan for personal reasons, but I know I'm not supposed to in most episodes. But you made it really easy to care about him in this one. Um, Can I also tag in off that point really quick? Sorry. Yeah. This is the other side of Maiden Arlen, where like okay. Loma shows up and is just such a cow to men the entire time. Yes. But like, this is the other side of it, where like the dad comes in and the dad is better than Khan because, well, he was a general and a war criminal and is now the head of the homeowners association his first bloodless right. coup but like <laughs> <laughs> so like in a kind of sexist way this is the other half of that because well khan isn't at home you know cleaning or whatever he's telecommuting from home and he's not really a man and then he finds the right. thing that uplifts him and then they get to take it away so yeah anyway sorry no My no two it's, cents. it's a no it's a great way to bring that in there i hadn't thought of just how much how much parent issues that Khan and Min both have because I don't do we ever hear really about um Khan's dad? No. We know his mom loves him and does absolutely everything for him and treats him like a little prince that he is. But we don't really Well, hear a per lot the about general, his dad. his dad is the is a fisherman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's son of a fisherman. Um I have a feeling <laughs> we have the same favorite moment. Um <laughs> yeah and then and then Min, whatever like, do you mean she only ever talks about her dad she only ever talks about the general because that's the, mm -hmm. it's always what the general wants for her or i did this to piss off the general like we don't talk about her mom at all so there's these two very overbearing forces in their lives and they both have to kind of make it work with them um mm -hmm. that's it's that's a really cool way to like frame that um, next pro for me, it's an animation pro, and it's the fact that they cared enough to animate Khan giving the thumbs up next to a little tiny picture of Khan giving the thumbs up. The animated picture in picture <laughs> fucking kills me. This is long since the past the time where they actually hand draw animation cells, and damn do I wish that it wasn't because I, I know someone out there would proudly display this in their house. Oh, so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I also, I almost like retro-raged it when it was a Polaroid, but then I was like, no, he's at a karaoke bar. They take pictures of you. Like, yes, that's yeah, absolutely th what they would use yeah. too. Yeah. Like it, man, this episode is really good. It just kind of make it like calling you on your own or calling me on my own bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, next pro here. I had a little bit of a fun, like old school King of the Hill flashback, um, and it was it wasn't much. It was wasn't a huge deal here, but we're kind of nodding towards 
this is the end of the series. We're kind of wrapping things up, bringing it back around to where we started. And what are the guys doing when Khan invites them to the, the karaoke thing? They're all out working on a car. When was the last time you oh, saw the, the guys all working on a car? Wow. Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it felt, it feels very vintage for King of the Hill. Um, it was just, it's a pro for me because I love seeing the guys doing something old school from the first couple of seasons. We all know that they love it. We're going to get a, a good callback in the next episode of Hank and his love of, um, of mowing when he's like, oh, cool. I did this in like what? 30 minutes or something. 33 minutes. It's a new record. Yeah. 33 minutes. Exactly. So, I mean, we're getting these cool, like little older references to stuff. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm just being that guy who looks way too far into this, but I'm not, I'm not willing to let it die yet. Um, my last pro here is that we do get that moment of men sticking up for Khan to her dad. We know that it's not just, you know, she's not just going to say, well, I'm daddy's girl and I get whatever I want. She doesn't try and use that against him. She just goes, no, you need to understand something. That's my husband. Mm -hmm. You may not like it, but that's who he is. And and she doesn't belittle Khan and he's not even there to hear it. Like, it's not like she's doing it to save his feelings. It's just like, no, you need to see this. You absolutely need to fucking see this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. now it's a cool, cool moment to me. And it also points out or, or not points out. It just like reaffirms to me why Min is one of my favorite secondary characters here. She's like one of the most solid people in the, in the alley. Yeah. She's a generally good person. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, that's it for my pros. What didn't you like about this episode? Um, not a whole lot. Um, other than there's no strongman event where you drag a bus with your teeth or a guy named <laughs> Gildoff Mueller. <laughs> um, it's Hafthor Bjornsson. He's the one who does it now. Nah, if it was anybody at this time, it was going to be Brian Shaw right out of Fort Lupton, Colorado, baby. Fucking Brian Shaw. World's Guys, strongest man. If you ever come across anybody wearing world's strongest man on uh, on Facebook or on TikTok, it's 99% of the time Brian Shaw, and he's fucking a gem of a human. Brian Shaw's an amazing dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's hey, so fucking two Colorado cool. boys love you, Brian Shaw. There's no way you're going to hear this, but we love you. <laughs> um, how about you, buddy cons? Uh, I only really have one here, and this is going to be interesting considering how much we loved our cold open. For... All of the great moments and times that we have heard Khan singing, this episode feels the weakest to me. And I think I know why. And it's because they make him stick to the same Maureen McGovern song the whole episode. We never hear him try and sing anything else. What would you rather have him sing? I don't know. But I always... Okay. I like. For some reason, in my mind, I and maybe it's because I really wanted this to happen. I have the end of this episode being his his father in law takes this takes his song from him, and then he goes up there and just like blasts him out of the water with I don't know some some karaoke staple. Like he's gonna go up there and sing Journey or Tom Sawyer or Kiss I don't even from know. from a rose by Seal. That's what it is. I it, can already uh, yes. Yes. So oh like, my God. I, I hear it. Yes. In my mind, like he goes up there and sings something else. And like I said, I really think it's just what I wanted because I want more of Khan singing. If we're going to have an entire okay. episode dedicated to this concept and we've seen it be so successful, 
with oh, Mickey, You're So Fine and the Beverly Hills Cop theme song and like all that other stuff. Come on, why are we still... Did you guys just not have enough money to license more than Maureen McGovern's The Morning After? Like, come on. <laughs> That's some bullshit. They're still maybe, reeling maybe... from having fucking ZZ Top as a guest star, all right? Like... I guess. Either that the, or Maureen McGovern and the West is that Coast fucking expensive. Guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, Maybe they're, that's they're why pretty I broke, have some... bud. <laughs> Maybe that's why we have some janky-ass knives in their in their uh, uh, kitchen. They have to cut down on the animation budget just to pay for their fucking music rights. Um, that's the, So really, that's the only con that I have in this episode, is that for an episode dedicated around one of our like most beloved side gags here, which is every time Khan is blinded with science, we fucking laugh. We just don't get enough of it here. Yeah, that's fair. So, it, yeah, lacking, like yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we're to favorite moments, buddy. Yeah, we are. Hey, Johnny, uh, Bobby's feet really hurt him. He needs some shows. I love Bobby's talking shit. That was great. This it's a really good <laughs> way to use him. And, it's like you said, really great way to use him throughout just so sparingly. <laughs> and it was really solid. Yes. I really wish that we could have seen him get called the boy King. <laughs> yeah. But that was con already. So yes, boy King of karaoke. I'm also looking up your racist ass knives. <laughs> Did you just okay, start the episode up again so you can see them? It's the yeah. first scene in there. Nah, in dude, those are a hundred. No, those are in keeping. Those are okay. Never mind. I take so the one is a butcher knife. <laughs> that makes sense. But the hand grips, that, yes, like, the grip handled scimitar. Okay, okay. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Thank you. you I was like, wait a minute, first, no, guys. no, no. Johnny's knives are racist. Yes, absolutely. I, I know, I know that I was drinking today when I was watching this episode. However, I know that some of that shit looked off. So we can now add a new gribbleism to our plethora of gribbleisms. It's when you're justified and vindicated, you're vindified. Vindified. Justicated. <laughs> justicated is better. We're going to go justicated. <laughs> anyway, what's your favorite moment? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it is, it literally Khan just being addressed as the son of a fisherman. <laughs> yeah, it really, okay. it, it pretty much the, it's a lot of the general's like lines, his like just screaming denunciations of things. Um, where are my condiments? Like shit like that. Dragon drop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it, he's he is fantastic in the first half of this this episode. Um, yeah, just son of a fisherman, though. Yeah, we know exactly who he thinks Khan is and who men should have married, and it should have been a senior, uh, uh, a senior vice president of Ac- acquisitions at Ingersoll Rand. You guys can't see it, but I have literally nothing in here in my notes, nowhere, nothing to remind me of that except for the hour ago when I watched this episode. I have that kind of a cool memory sometimes. I'm proud of you. It's a it's a blessing and a curse. Um, I would happily, 
happily uh, describe our rating system here. And I'm going to try and do this and we're going to see it might just be an epic failure. I'm going to try and do this on a tier of songs you really like that really blow during karaoke versus are really awesome during karaoke. So at the very bottom here, we have a charcoal of an episode. As far as like songs you really don't want to hear, this this may be very controversial because it could very easily go in our top spot here. But Don't Stop Believing by Journey. That is our <laughs> low tier here because it's just awful, right? Yep, uh, a charcoal terrible. of an episode, a, a, a Don't Stop Believing on, uh, on karaoke. It's an episode that you just don't want to be around because it's not a good representation of anything. Unless you happen to be the lead singer of Journey, you're probably not going to sing it very well, and you've had one too many drinks. Uh, charcoal episodes don't show you what this show is about, and you're never going to go back to them again. Hopefully. Uh, un unbeknownst to you, they're going to keep showing up on Adult Swim every night, just like every single time you go to the karaoke bar, somebody has to sing it. After that, <laughs> you've got your Megalo, and your next step up from Don't Stop Believing is going to be Welcome to the Jungle. A <laughs> megalo episode has got little bits of of like corn and loveliness that are stuck in the shit that is the main part of the episode. There's little tiny things to like in it, but it's still also a very poor representation of what this should be. Um, when you think about it in terms of karaoke, the one positive thing that you get from Welcome to the Jungle is when the people stop fucking singing, you get to listen to a guitar solo. It's there. You don't have to listen to him sing anymore. It's, 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 it's okay. It's not too bad. Okay. Um, after that, we've got our butane. And our butane is a middle of the road. As far as karaoke goes, this is um, the White Stripes. Um, Seven Nation Army. Absolutely, everybody can get up and enjoy Seven Nation Army. Um Everybody knows the bass line. It takes like three seconds to try and match Jack White's voice. It's it's fine. It is what it is. It's a bastard because you love that you know this song, but you also hate that you know this song and you hear it as often as you fucking do. Um, Butane episodes are a dime a dozen. We like them. We love them. We've, we've heard a lot of them. We've seen a lot of them. They're good. Not too bad. Yeah. After that, you've got your Char King episodes. Char Kings are the best examples of of what King of the Hill really is. It really exemplifies what this show can be, who the characters are, what the story should be like. Um, it, it fits the tone of what we should be doing here. And as Mark already mentioned this song, uh, a Char King of a song in karaoke is probably going to be Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Nobody <laughs> goes up there and sings it unless they know they can sing it. And it always sounds good when they can sing it because goddamn, is that not just a very fun fucking song? Am I wrong, buddy? Not at all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for validating me. Um, if Mark and I both agree that uh, an episode is a charking becomes a charking Imperial and he and I both duet kiss from a rose. Uh, <laughs> There's only one step higher, and this is also going to be super controversial considering how much Mark knows I fucking hate this song. But goddamn uh -oh. if it's not the anthem of our entire generation. A Blue Flame uh -oh. of Valor episode is the single greatest episodes of King of the Hill. They are what gets you into the series. They get you to continue watching almost 300 episodes of a TV show. 
if you're going to a karaoke bar and you've never been there before, everybody's first song needs to be Mr. Brightside by The Killers. Oh, wow. Every single wow. person Hot in the karaoke bar, every single person at the karaoke bar, even the ones that are way too fucking old to know better, are going to sing Mr. Brightside alongside with you. They're going to make it a memorable experience. And goddamn, if it's not like crack, it's going to have you keep coming back for more, which is exactly what you want a blue flame to do. You got to keep coming back for more. So, um, I, I thought all of that off the top of my head here in the last four minutes that I've just been spouting, and I am a little brain fried. Mark, on a scale of charcoal to blue flame, what do you give pour some sugar on con? Uh, before I answer that, I want to ask you, what is your go-to karaoke song? Take a second to think about it. Mine was Iron Maiden's Run to the Hills because I used to be able to hold the like Dickinson runs Ooh. just like good old Bruce. Um, but I am giving this a... What did I give this? Well, this doesn't work because I gave it a Buking, so I can't Mr. Brightside <laughs> to the jungle it. I don't know what you... I, <laughs> right, you know... Uh, Buking, yeah. sorry, Johnny. I just I can't think of the different. You, no, you're good. You can you can just give me the normal one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Um, no, this is a solid episode, and you could put it literally anywhere in the series. It's cool to see some like a little. This is like the last piece of Min's puzzle, so to speak, with her dad showing up. Okay. Um, we it's like you were talking about earlier. We have you know talked about the general. We have referenced the general. But now here he is. The general has come, and it was a really good episode. Um, also, god damn, Toby Huss. Just, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well done. What about you, buddy? Um. So, uh, first off, to give you my, my karaoke thing, I've never been to karaoke, guys, ever. Uh, I oh, used shit. to sing. I sang a lot in high school. I like quadruple lettered in choir, so I used to have a very nice voice. Um, one of our listeners definitely called me audible chocolate at one point, and, and that kind of made me feel very good about myself. Um, oh, yeah. But I have always wanted to sing a, a song from a, any song, really, from a particular band if I ever go to karaoke. And depending on the crowd, it's either going to be Fuck Her Gently or Wonder Boy from Tenacious D. Mm. Mm. That's how okay. I want to start that 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 chapter of my life where I'm okay singing in front of people in karaoke. Um, I we also going, gave, I, okay, I'm going to, I'm getting out to Germany. That's what we're doing. And we are going to go, <laughs> we're going to find a fucking karaoke bar and we are going to just blister their ears with James Taylor's fire and rain. But then wonder boy, <laughs> there you go. Um, I also gave pour some sugar on Con of you King. Um, this oh, is like weird. one of the best. We've never double buking, Have we? I don't think we have. <laughs> that, okay, is, you talk. I'm going to look. No, as I was gonna say, this is this is perfect considering I just said Tanakh because this needs to be a two kings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll read it, Bew Kings. We'll read it, Bew Kings. <laughs> See, it's, it's just it's perfect. Um, I This is the ending moment of this episode where Khan looks back at the guys after the general is leaving and they all just kind of, they offer him the beer and he finally gets to be his old self back again. This is one of the best episodes that shows and really hits home how much Khan cares about the opinion of the guys in the act, how much they have become his family and how much he really does care that they, you know, 
Yep, I know you can see me as an asshole. I have to put on that face. But you were here when I needed you. I showed You showed up at the karaoke bar. You showed up when I invited you to Nine Rivers. I wanted you here for when I performed. Because when he's not being a dick, he really does like these guys. And even when he is being a dick, he wants those guys to like him. So... It's it's a huge great episode of con growth. Um I wish there were there were more con songs in this and I wish mm-hmm. there was something more of a B story here. It feels like like that just got kind of left into the wind and it was well instead instead of developing a full B story we're just going to have a couple of lines and we'll get our Bobby and Peggy like obligation out for the week. That's it. So Okay. I don't okay. know what I would do to fix it but yeah, it's a debut king. It's not quite up to a char king for me. This isn't, it's not the greatest con episode I've ever seen. That involves Mexico, but. <laughs> yeah. um, number one resolution to the question we just asked, we double bukinged uh, the buck stops here. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was all the, that was uh, paired with the perils of polling. Good Lord, that's season three, season four. Yeah, season five, I think. Yeah, um, but we put that episode out June tenth, twenty two. So, just Holy I need you to moly. feel so fucking old. Well, we're living as two kings right now. I think you were in the think hole for that one. That was when you were like up here for that block. I right may before have you been. moved to Germany. And we recorded yep. like 10 in a row over like three days. Yeah. Yeah, that may have been because I would have been down at uh, at my school intensive stuff that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, all right, cool. Double buking, two king. We'll raid two as king. two kings. Two king. Uh, Johnny, let's draw like a pencil to our next one. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> um... I was trying to say it like I've got a friend named Lee, but I don't know. I got a friend, a friend named Lee. He works for real in realty. If me and Lee and Johnny could be free buying houses tenaciously, I don't. Yep. Fuck it. That's it's best we're going to do. We love the D we'll so much and they'll never know. And it really bums me out. All right. Cut this episode. <laughs> Okay, we are back with another episode of King of the Hill. This is a weird way for me to introduce this. You and I are going to review as two kings. Yes, we are. Uh, This is episode 230, Six Characters in Search of a House. Original air date, April 6th, 2008. This is written by Aaron Ehrlich. Mark, that name is super familiar, and it's not just because I know it from another Mike Judge character. Where did we last see Ehrlich? What other Mike Judge character? Um, so the weird problematic dude that that was in the Deadpool movies as the bartender that got super canceled because he's not all that funny. You know who I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the you look your ex looks like X did X and had fucked X to make yeah okay yes. I got you yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that guy yeah he's in uh, Silicon Valley as a guy named Ehrlich Bachman. Oh, he's in like the first four seasons and then he just gets like once they cancel his ass they like write just write him off completely i think they straight up killed his character off holy shit okay yeah interesting so <laughs> yeah anyway sorry uh where did we last see aaron ehrlich mark uh last saw aaron ehrlich on tears of an inflatable clown and you and i did not like that one uh okay 
Interesting. Well, let's hope that uh, Ehrlich here makes a, a better second impression. I think we've only seen one before. I think that was the only one we'd seen. So let's hope this makes a better impression, Mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah cast of characters. And this is a long one because apparently there's a bunch of people in the background. Um, like I, I did not notice some, some of these people here. So I'll do okay. my best to delineate non-speaking roles. Uh, cast of characters this week, we have Hank, Peggy, and Bobby Hill. Dale Gribble, Bill Dotrieve, Boomhauer, Luann Platter, Chris Sizemore, Bud Ferguson, Nancy Gribble, Frank, Melrose, and Spencer, Candy and Roger, Walker Lee. They're both non-speaking. We see them in the beginning here. Mm -hmm. Open House Residence, which I'm guessing is Grandpa on the Oxygen and um, little tiny Travis What's-His-Face from Taxi Driver and yeah, I, Lady That Likes to Wash Her Ferret with a Rag on a Stick. Um, I'm guessing that's what they're talking about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, house buyer person and the non-speaking roles from Khan and Min, Supanus and Pone, Ted and Cindy with Sana Song. And apparently we have Jim and Lila, the neighbors with Caleb. They come back. Oh shit. But I did not notice them in the background. So I don't, maybe got to watch it closer next time. I'm also trusting the wiki here, which I know shame on me after trusting it for like the 30th fucking time <laughs> fool me one shame on me lie to me about a cast list 30 fucking times and who wrote an episode about the same amount well <laughs> <laughs> well i'm still lazy enough to keep using you so good on you um synopsis <laughs> peggy needs to sell a house and hires a group of actors to help her quote stage it yeah yeah you see what i did there and hank marvels at a local home inspector <laughs> Sorry, it's too too easy. This is, uh, in the words of, of one Jables, low-hanging fruit. A story character this week, it's Peggy. Everybody else is kind of there. I didn't really see a B story in this. No. Um, the home inspector thing is kind of a subprime one, but it's it's not. It's all there wrapped up in the one story. Um, Yeah, let's get into some notes. Uh, some notes. My first note is when I saw the title, I went, fuck, because I remember hating this episode. I remember hating this episode a lot, so buckle up. Here we go. Tom Sizemore, <laughs> resurrecting the housing market in 2008, and then I get to thinking, I don't actually know if the housing market is supposed to exist, because it seems like it dies a whole bunch. Yeah. It's just a bunch of giant land grabs for people that apparently don't have enough land. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Johnny, cutting in with breaking news. I'm looking at all the attendees in the Hill House, and but uh, and okay. um, Jim and Lila are not there. Um, the ones I can tell: Bill, Nancy, Dale, two people. Maybe that bitch that Peggy tried to set Bill up with in um. Um. Uh, pretty pretty dresses. I can't quite tell. Uh, Con Buck Strickland, and then four white people I can't identify. But that's where we're at. Um, sorry, we're Ooh. still on my notes here. Um, we're talking about Abby Elliot last week and her dad Chris Elliot, and you and I were yes. once again foisted by our only on Petard because he's in this episode, and we're like, dude, I know that he's been in something. I just can't remember what. Well, goddamn it, yep. if he ain't. Chris Sizemore. Also, Sidecon. I yep. yeah. Also, Sidecon. I accidentally said foist by my own petard 
or my own Leon Petard on two wizards, and Josh thought I was like being weird. <laughs> And I said it like <laughs> it was understand. the way you say that sentence. Yeah, and so that's uh-huh. a con against you, my good buddy. Um, man, it look just at proves Luan. you're a drooling nincompoop. I am a drooling nincompoop. <laughs> Speaking of drooling nincompoops, Speaking Luan. of drooling nincompoops, holy shit, Luann. Okay, number one, Luann looks amazing for being uh, two and a half years pregnant at this point. But also, Lucky's yeah. not in this episode, which means that you can put this episode pretty much anywhere... And it, I mean, I mean, Peggy's got to be, you know, at Sizemore at this point. But like, that's it, man. This episode can go yeah. anywhere. Um, and it makes it plausible. And I say this because Luann is also a markedly different character this episode. Like, Johnny, my girl is back. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking? <laughs> do you know what? I, did you pick up on it? Or, I don't know. I was delighted watching her acting. Um, her holding the watermelon as the baby was dumb as shit. Like, but there, I just, the whole, all of it, man, she was really, really good. And man, my girl is back. Um, I swear to God, that woman in the house with the ferret is murder face's sister. <laughs> They're going to try and take my stuff. We're just going to use my royalties from Planet Piss to buy some more. He's just going to buy more food for that goddamn ferret. Um. <laughs> so brutal. Maybe she should eat that ferret. <laughs> How she dies in that ferret's her face. <laughs> okay. Um, turning into butthead, I think. Uh, librarians are hot. Are librarians who take their glasses off or what? Hot. I can confirm. Always. Yes. That's a, that was a hilarious bit, and I appreciate it. Librarians in general. Yeah. Like, Something about just, knowledge. It's librarians man. in general. We exactly. We are turned on by knowledge, guys. It gives us, as the professor would say, a raging brainer. Please become more educated. You'll be look that much more appealing to everybody. <laughs> Read a book, read a book, read a motherfucking book. Um, hey, I read a book. It had some German phrases in it. And the one that really stood out to me is Der Schauspieler in Hat Kein Geld. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, not surprising. I, I know. I just, <laughs> so like I'm doing, you know, I've used Duolingo and that fucking phrase keeps popping up. And I'm like, it's only the actors that don't have any money. It's yeah, even it's, the Kellnerin has Geld. Yeah, Kellnerin has, yeah. It's amazing. Um, Mom has been typing for six hours straight, except when she cried for 15 minutes. That's exactly how I write a two wizard script. (laughs) Nice. I got to hammer one out today. And let me tell you, I am not in the best mental headspace to do it. Uh, This episode makes me feel bad, Johnny. Because you know what we didn't do? We didn't remember the writers. And we didn't remember how important it is to, you know, make everybody happy. And I really feel like this episode is the writers going, Fuck you! Fuck all of you! What do you want? And it's weird because it's Aaron Ehrlich, so she doesn't deserve to be shitty about it. But, like, did you get that vibe at all? Where this is, like, the writers have the hardest job in any production. Like... I, a little bit, but at the same time, I, I took it as, uh, oh, these people know they can exactly, like, they can run over Peggy as much as they fucking want, and she's just going to keep oh. uh, keep adjusting shit to her. I okay. saw it more as the actors taking advantage of Peggy because she doesn't know any better, and, and they all know she needs this way more than they do. They're used to eating trash. 
and having to work nine fucking jobs just to live in their shitty apartment. To be a sandwich. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, now. Buckle up, buddy. Remember, I hate this episode. Yeah. This episode is insanely good into the third act. With the fucking up of the house, you genuinely feel bad for Hank. Now, we initially feel bad for him because, oh, Hank hates actors. Ha ha ha. It's all one-dimensional. What? New York? No! But then, but then, but then, we get that reversal where Hank is made to... He's going to lose his house. The the thing that makes Hank the king of his hill, he's going to lose it. And the reasoning behind it is a thousand percent plausible. And, like, if you offered me 25 thousand dollars extra on anything i would probably do it without even thinking like so you can't get mad at peggy but then but then like so there's the destruction of one two three rainy street and then there's the inspection of it and then there's his boy bob ferguson saying you know it took a master craft craftsman to destroy this house and that is god damn that is a good ending god damn mm. this episode hit me like a sack of rocks out of left field because I thought I was going to hate it. And I'm just like, wait, what happened here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And those were just my notes. Imagine what I saved for my <laughs> prose, Johnny. But first you tell me about your notes. Cause I've been talking for a goddamn minute. Yes, you have. That's okay. Um, so every time I watch this episode, I remember that I spent some time as small as it was in this world, in the acting world. Um, I, let's see, I, I was never an actor, but I definitely did tech for a couple of shows. Um, I worked at a minor playhouse in a little tiny mountain town. I worked at one just outside of Boulder as an assistant stage manager. Um, I know we have one very diehard listener here that that's been along this road for a very long fucking time. And so I say to all of you out there, especially the one that I know is listening, it's incredibly fucking hard, and I appreciate what you guys do. It was not for me. I found out pretty quickly that this this was not gonna be how I wanted to to I don't know fight and claw my way into a into my life. Um, not to shit on anybody for how they how they choose to do this sort of stuff, but this episode pokes an awful lot of fun at how hard it is to be an actor. And yeah, it's it's very interesting to watch with some of the friends that I have. Um, anyway, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a weird, like, shock into reality of, oh, God, that's right, you used to do this a little bit. That's, it, it, that sucked, like, you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, because I like to be that guy and because it makes me give everybody in the audience a raging brainer, Mark, do you know what Tom Sizemore is quoting when he talks about being an actor? He's specifically quoting Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, no clue. Yeah, he is quoting Act 1, Scene 1 from Pericles. Why would I know that? I don't know, because maybe you listened to it and typed it into Google like I did. <laughs> Come on, don't you have a working knowledge of all of Shakespeare's obscure fucking works? You're right. I, I, I was a theater major. I should have all that shit just at my sudden beck and you're right. You're right. I'm the I mean, problem. <laughs> you did get the degree. What the fuck use is it if you can't just pull up Shakespeare whenever I need you to? Damn it, Mark. Let's let's deconstruct that question. Let's let's deconstruct let's <laughs> deconstruct that question. You got a theater degree. What the fuck is the use of it? Moving on. <laughs> 
Pericles, Act One, Scene One. I'm sure it's pretty good. Most of Bill's stuff is. Um, I also got to tag in really one. quick here. Last week you were drinking wine and you're like made a big deal out of this. The first time you drank wine in the pod. Well, I'm drinking wine too. And it's oh, red wine buddy. and it's strong. <laughs> 19 Crimes, <laughs> The Uprising. <laughs> okay. I thank God it's, you didn't start that with the words Carlo and end it with the word Rossi. Oh, oh we've all been to that party. <laughs> oh, I've been to that theater party. <laughs> never ends well. It usually ends with one of us praying to the God of Grimace in the toilet. <laughs> Some who the fuck stabbed Grim? <laughs> never forget. <laughs> Listeners, Carlo Rossi party. <laughs> One of the members there drank too much, then started throwing up, but didn't quite hit the toilet, and instead splattered the balls and the bathtub and the toilet. And then another person walks in, and the exclamation was, "Who the fuck stabbed Grimace?" It was amazing. All right, next. <laughs> Um, if you next. want more theater stories for me and Johnny's glory days, well, I guess let us know. <laughs> Shit. That's 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 the, the slow hits for the people, like I said, the diehards that we know are listening here. Um, well, next one here is, what would be the inexcusable thing for your significant other to sell? Nothing. I don't care. What's she going to get rid of? Like, <laughs> possessions are meaningless. I know I sound like an okay. asshat, but, like, nothing I have can't be replaced, you know? Okay. And But then, too, like, so anything that I have that is, like, worth any sentimental value is also, by default, not worth any money. I, we talked about it, you know, with, like, right. what are your treasures a couple weeks ago with the, um, you know, yeah, we're, with we're the, talking with about Bobby it. and his treasures. Yeah, 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 we're talking about it then. And, you know, answer same as then. Like, there's that little cross-stitch that my mom made me. That literally mean that literally is worth nothing. What what can you know two by two inches of fabric and thread be worth? Nothing at all. So like you know you you can't sell it. But yes, I didn't mean to blow a hole in it. But what about you? No, no. Well, and it's like I'm. Mine is not a thing that somebody can be sold. But like the inexcusable thing I think for my partner to do would have pretty much anything having to do with my animals. Right? Okay. Like if my, if my cat was sick and I didn't know about it and I came home one day to find out that my partner had just put them down without even consulting me, that would be inconsolable. Like I would just not, not just like the pain of losing an animal, but it would just be like, wow, that's a huge breach of trust. And I was trying to put myself in Hank's shoes here because this is like, he wants to leave this house to his kid. It's just his legacy. He spends all of his time maintaining and upkeeping his house. I mean... The guy is, he's, he knows so much about his air filter that just switching it out with bills is going to make a huge difference here. Mark, I don't know if you've ever been in a position to change an air filter, but I'm going to tell you when I owned my own fucking house, I forgot that existed for three years. <laughs> I changed it out when I went to sell it. Wow. Like, this means an awful lot to this guy. So, yeah, it's... I, I was like I said I was trying to find a way to put myself in Hank's shoes and just think to myself is this like is this one of the shittiest things that Peggy's ever potentially done to him because she puts him in this awful situation and yeah she eventually figures out how to get him out of it um but at the same time he has to like destroy something in order like something he loves in order to get that that back mm-hmm it's uh it's very it's very interesting. 
Um, my last note here is it's another question, but it, is this a Hank fixes everything episode? I mean, yeah, literally. <laughs> Cause could anybody else but Hank do that for their house? Like could anybody no. else like so, so adeptly dis- destroy quote unquote, destroy the house. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, you again, get it to it Dale, is... he's actually going to destroy the house. Yeah. Just interesting to me. We haven't no, had a Hank is. fixes everything for a little while. No, but it also isn't. I don't. It, it's a. I don't know about you. This was really a classic for me feeling episode. Okay. But like, in some of our like classic feeling wink wink winks, like Peggy is straight up dumb as shit, and this one I don't blame her at all. Like, she had been up for days. Um. You know, she $25,000 is a ton of money. You know what I mean? Like, especially in 2008, oh, yeah. especially in like, she's a thousand percent just because she's dumb as shit and, and, and wrong doesn't mean she's not justified in her own right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, and like she says, it's 25 K in a down market. Like it's already a shitty housing market. I can see yeah. why she would knee jerk to that. Yeah. No, I think that's yeah. a, that's a good argument for this for sure. But so like in that, like, I don't know. Cause it does feel like a really classic episode, but in a kind of way where like Peggy isn't stupid and Hank isn't being a jerk. You know, this could very easily just be, I don't want actors in my house. Like it could just be that. And it, there is actually stakes in it for Hank, you know, other than just right. being, having his space invaded just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's me. I don't know. Cool. No, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you, you see this one in such a positive light. Cause I did not care for a lot of this episode. So, really? um, let me hear some of those pros. I want, I want to be, I want to be enlightened here. Um, the adoration, mm, try again. 19 crimes is stronger than I am at eight in the morning. Bob Ferguson adoration is adorable. That right there <laughs> is just a classic King of the Hill moment. That is, um, yes. Yeah. Um, Wow, shout out. Okay, so we haven't had a where they blew their animation budget in a minute here. Um, And I don't think they blew their animation budget this time. But, dude, I can smell that goddamn house that Peggy has to sell. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. It is horrific. (laughs) Um, Props to the animators. Props to, yes, just y'all did it. Crushed. Um Johnny, I think Abby Elliott characters are my new stand-in for being horny for Luann character. <laughs> we have is, Melrose is, so is she this week. Melrose, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So number one, well, that'll we'll get to it when I get to my cons. But number one, Melrose is great. Um, last week we had, uh, or not last week, two weeks ago, an accidental terrorist. She was copy girl, and it was the same type. Yep. You know that, just that kind of two thousands girl that is what turns old Mark's crank. Hey, you know what else does? David fucking Keckner. He's the guy that plays name. What the fuck is the guy's name? The main lead actor, Johnny. Oh, um, I've got my list here. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Frank or Spencer? Frank. Spencer is, um, Herman, David Herman. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Frank, he play David Keckner plays Frank and dude, he is insane. Um, just, and then you didn't realize, I didn't realize it was him. I had to look to see who it was. Cause you know, usually Keckner's right. a little bit more like wild and this Animated. is a more, yeah. And this is a more reserved and he's great. Just shout out to him. 
Um, hey, fuck what I just said about Abby Elliott is my new la- new Luann. Uh, this Luann is my new Anne. Is this Luann is my new <laughs> Luann? Jesus Christ, she's back, John. I just said this, but like, man, this is we're back in our right timeline. <laughs> like, we're we're back. I, I know I'm we can't to, stay here for I'm, forever, but we're back. I'm going to agree to disagree. I, what do you I mean? find zero redeemability for Luann this entire episode. Okay. Okay. This is this to so if do you mind if I if I say my piece on this because it's like, a baby. I I was very shocked to hear you say that you were happy with this Luann. This to me this is still just nothing but infantilized. I I'm going to be loud, obnoxious and baby Luann. Um I like I even have it down in my cons. My very first one is that the hills are looking at her at the at the kitchen table in that first scene. Like she's a fucking moron. And it's not like they used to look at her as a fucking moron. It's just like, oh my God, we all pity you now. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I don't I don't see the the improvement here, but also I'm having a really hard time kind of reconciling anytime she shows up anymore. Because I've never taken this much stock into how they treated her towards the end of this series since you and I started reviewing this. So and what was that's a where my like, Luann hate came from was like yeah. this, you know, oh, these yeah. were the later seasons. Like I'd catch every third or fourth one. And it seemed like she'd showed up every single one. And so like, you just get this idea of like season. What, what, what would you say up till Pygmalion? So season one to six Luann is good Luann yeah. up until fun with Jane and Jane. And that's, that's where good Luann stops being good Luann. But and maybe yeah. that's the problem. Maybe it's been so long since she was at that. It, it, she was there that like seeing her this week. And I'm like, she is like doing things on her own. She has her own lines and she isn't just there to be stupid. Like I really like when right. she's acting. I thought the acting bits were great. I mean, but, I, I did too. Like, so like, there's the like scene, there's the scene, but... there's the scene. It's like, um, I guess it'd be their cue to cue, maybe final dress, whatever. Or for, yeah, cue to cue before your first dress. But like, so yeah. Melrose is calling in on the phone and Peggy goes, where's Melrose? And Luann like looks disgustedly at the phone. And like, that is a catty mm. Luann that bitch Sharona Johnson did this face. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's okay. like, I just saw that. And I'm like, oh shit, there's my girl. She's back. No, well, see, I'm I'm glad you can notice these moments. I couldn't look past her constantly like, running over Bobby's line and then having to be explained. No, we've already told you this like 20 times. You don't come in until this point, Luann. Okay, but so without being mean, um, Johnny, dude, you you were a theater major. You 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 have seen this act. It's you've seen this person. They might be a good person, but they don't know what a goddamn cue is. That's it's true. Like yeah. I, I thought it was authentic. Like somebody needs to do it, and it's not going to be the professional actors. Like Melrose is clearly commercial quality. Like so, and she's the only other oh, woman there. That? So like, <laughs> she got that. Oh, Melrose is in this. Uh, no, nah, like sorry, I'm. I don't mean to debate you on this point. I just. I thought no, that like Luann being for, a bad actress it. was. I'm glad. I well, I thought it was like I thought it was her like. That was Luann can't act like even with manger babies, like it's still a one person show. Okay. You know, she's just in control. Like, and you can't, you can't step over lines when you're the only guy in the room. Right. 
Okay. I don't know. Okay. Keep going, though. I like well, your hatred. Give me your vitriol. No, no. No, like, that's, I, I haven't even gotten into my pros yet. I just, like, you had brought her up, and I was just, it, it, like I said, it just threw me off so much. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm so used to having a buddy on this hate train, and I'm, <laughs> I, I'm riding solo this week. You're riding solo, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Good on you for defending it. I can always appreciate that. <laughs> um, did you have any other pros? No, that was it. That was my last one is Luana's back. Okay. Um, well, let me jump into mine here. Uh, I love the line, let the starches flow like water. Um, <laughs> Gross, that is, yes. that is incredible and amazing. And like, it's very, very German, right? Like I'm going to have potatoes with every meal because I can. Um, God, that makes me very happy. What is, well, there's a line early in the series where Bobby says, wait a minute, we don't have this. Are we going poor? Yeah. And I want to say it's about potatoes or something like that. And so it's, it's like interesting that the economic like line for the hills yeah. is determined by what starches they're eating. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's all, yeah. Cause he gets mad. I even think I called it out in an episode. Cause I was like, how is it a con that there's only one type of potato? But yeah. Right. 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 I know what you're uh, talking so about, like, but I, I just, that sorry, that's way too far away. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Um, you already definitely hit this with the we can we blew the smellimation budget on this, but this has got to be the trashiest white family in this show that we have seen yet. And the ferret is the cherry on top. Like, oh, yeah, it, it really just <laughs> it enhances that factor, man. Like. So, well, yes. I don't know like what said, else you could put in all there that would there. be. I don't. Yeah. Like. Well, that friend in the 90s had a ferret. Guys, if you have a ferret, I'm sorry, but you picked a bad, weird, stinky, slinky pet. I am 99% sure that they just animated the people who lived above us when we were living together, Mark. (laughs) Marshall! (laughs) Yes! I'm 99% sure, guys, that those were our upstairs neighbors that love to call Mark Marshall. And I still, to this day, to this day, bug him with it. It's great. Had the um, cops called on me once so a trashy. week at least, and we would be doing nothing. The cops quit showing up because these old women kept calling them on us. And like, <laughs> what was the one? Yeah. You were like, you were in your room and I was watching Naruto with Benson, I think. Like, and it yeah. was like four. It was like four on a Thursday. Like, <laughs> no, we were playing we're just... magic because I remember pointing and going, nah, dude, we're not, uh, you know, you're, you're having a party. Yeah. Look at this. I'm like pointing into the hallway and like our gigantic magic <laughs> game magic on the, the floor. Gathering. Yeah. Like in the living room and the cop going, all right, y'all just, all right, we're sorry. Take care. Hey, thanks. You too. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty much the worst. Um, next pro here is that uh, there is a difference between actors and improv people. That is one of the funniest fucking lines I've ever heard because I know lots of actors and I know even less that like doing improv. It's a it's a bastard medium. <laughs> um, well, you know, you and one, I flex our muscle we have we are muscularly improbable you know 
We are. We absolutely are. But this is different. This is funny. Improv's not funny. <laughs> Starbucks on 9-11. <laughs> um, my, last, uh, my last pro here, we're moving on from that. Yes, uh, my please. last pro here is, once again, there, this, this episode is it's a very interesting one to watch if you know people in this industry. And so uh, I think his name, is it Harrison? Is he the younger one or is that uh, Spencer? Spencer is the youngest one, yeah. Okay, so Spencer, Spencer's talk that he has with Bobby about, about having I, to be in a giant yeah. sandwich costume just to make rent. And I'm like, oh, good God. Of all my actor friends, so many of them have like four side hustles just to make their rent. And so many of them also end up sharing, like sharing rooms and a house and all this just so that shit can be kind of normal and livable and they don't have to work themselves to fucking death. Um, it's an incredibly hard fucking industry to, to get into, guys. Unless you really, really have the drive for it, I really wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend you have the it drive anyway. For it, you gotta yeah, be kind of like, good. Well, that's the problem is, like, drive means dick if you're not good. Like, y- Yes. Exactly. And even less if you're not a, tr- but it's God. It's also like you got to be either like the most beautiful or the most fuck ugly to get. You know, like yeah. we're watching a lot of special victims unit and like those dudes. Some of like the it's amazing. Like the quote unquote pedophiles like are some of the most beautiful people and some of the like most busted looking people you can imagine. You know, it's oh absolutely yeah, and it's just like okay, but. You're Michael Shannon. You, your jaw is made of steel. What do you? What are we doing here? It's it's amazing. Anyway, yeah, it's. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I've seen I'm some Edward things James and some stuff. And I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> You're a decorative <laughs> <Yes>. squash. <laughs> anyway, I'm done with pros. Give me your cons. What did you not like about this episode? Oh, cons got a page down. Number one con: you can smell this fucking house. yes i'm gonna call it out every time i see it bobby has acted before why is hank so upset i'm sorry you know that he did unique new york when he was in goddamn a dinner at alamo and also of mice and little green men i know those are the wrong episode titles but you know i'm talking about Uh, but he was both in those. he acted both in those i just okay i also wanted to be in oklahoma like Wanted to be in Oklahoma, prop comedy, you know, it, the Propaniacs. Yeah. God, remember the Propaniacs? I just, come on. All right, whatever. I remember uh, this, his, his short-lived white nationalist phase. I do. We're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His Chris Pratt phase, yeah. Um, I guess that's not <laughs> fair. Chris Pratt just said women shouldn't have abortions. He's not a white nationalist. I'm sorry, Chris Pratt. I still like you. Mostly because I get told I got a Chris Pratt vibe, so... I can't, you know, Ooh. decry the guy they'd vibe me with. Um, yeah, I get a lot of get a lot of Andy out of Parks and Rec and Star Lord, and I'm like, I don't think you people know me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a classic episode, so sure, Hank should get upset about it. It's what we're gonna do. It's what we're gonna expect. Um, Con, we kind of danced around this. I'm just gonna shout it out. Con in general, actors. Jesus Christ, I fucking hate actors. I, you know, like. <laughs> <sighs> I like some of my the, actors, some of, and there's like some of the six best people, people in the world. I've ever known, and some of the most shallow, worst people I've ever known. And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say shit about shit. But I just, 
and I'm not a good actor. I'm a shit actor. I I'm clever and I listen. That's that's pretty much what I got. But like I whatever, like I think I'm a character actor is my problem, and I wasn't allowed to be that because I didn't know that was a thing I could be. But like I just dude, so much of this shit. Like fucking um Melrose and her time constraints. We've we've dealt with that, and and fucking yep. you know like. I'm 35, so I don't know if the story's true or not. I don't know if this is, like, a rehash of poo-picking or not, where, like, Peggy, or, like, Hank had to go tell a guy to, like, alter Bobby's career path. But, like, you know what I, so, like, maybe he doesn't have to be a sandwich. Maybe he is, you know, moderately successful. But just, just in general, there are just all really accurate representations of people that I have known and worked with in the past, and outside of my own lack of ability and terrible looks... That's why I'm not an actor. And finally, Spencer is doing better than I am. What with his, I get to be a sandwich on the weekend gig. Because at least Spencer has a job. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> but I'm a podcast comedian, so fuck you. I still create for fucking 40 hours a week. There you go. Give or take. What are your cons? Um, so we've already covered most of them here. My, the only one that really kind of merits any other discussion here is I really don't like Bobby and his cousin Joey has arrived. Like that felt way too much for me because okay. it's, he's hamming it up and he's Bobby is a good actor. Like he knows how to read a room. He knows how he knows comedic timing. And he's getting pity laughs for a terrible fucking delivery of that line. Um, so it, it just bugs me because it doesn't seem like it fits in with Bobby. Um, okay. I don't hate that role for him. I could, I could just see him. I see him improving it and making it funnier than him doing the Kramer slide into the fucking door going, ah, cousin Joey has arrived. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> eh. There's not a lot I, I hate about this episode. It's just like it's it's hard to watch, and I think a huge piece of this is because you and I know so many actors. Yeah, no, it hits weirdly close to home. Maybe that's why it resonated with me so goddamn hard. Yeah. So uh, I think we're to favorite moments, buddy. Um. Well, okay, give me yours because I feel bad with my first one. So I only have one here, and and I was actually surprised. I got to the very end of the episode and didn't have any. And oh then wow! Okay. You've already called the no. You've already called this out though, and it is it is damn near like one of a, one of the most perfect moments in this show, like in this series. And it's the ending moment with the home inspector where Hank gets to shake his hand and know, okay, this guy that I I very much admire, that I wanted to be friends with, that I want to like run in the same circles with. He recognizes that I had to do this in order to save my house. He recognizes my skill. He's giving me my props. And if, if I, I can pull only one thing about having to fucking destroy my house, like if I can pull only one positive thing out of it, it's that this guy doesn't think I'm a giant tool. So that ending moment is fucking awesome for this show. Like it okay. is so good for Hank. And it makes me feel like all the shit that he gets shoved through is almost worth it at the end because he gets that moment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you got for favorite moments here? Cousin Joey's in the house. I don't knock because oh, that's my thing. <laughs> Dude, it's so on point. It's so, 
So, okay, okay, so let's think about how who is writing our script here. It's Peggy who only watches, like, sitcom television. Hey, hey, right? hey. <laughs> exactly. So, like, <laughs> yeah. she's not gonna... She, what, okay, the house gets the woman pregnant, for fuck's sake. Peggy writes Lifetime movies and watches sitcom <laughs> TV. Bobby is a thousand percent used accurately and well. And then, and, and also, but also, but also, it's the little physicality in the Kramer slide. Because Bobby can do, like, comedy physicality. Okay, Bobby can't do two-handed weapon wielding, but, you know, Bobby can, you know, roll a 20 on strength because he's got advantage when he needs it. But only when he needs it, right? So, like, this is Bobby using that. Bobby can do physical comedy, just a little Kramer slide in. He introduces himself. It's the breakup in the tension that we need. This is an episode about writers written by a writer who really fucked up the first time she wrote an episode and felt bad, but also said, be nicer to me. This is me externalizing, whatever. Um, <laughs> but also, I'm a sex offender <laughs> just rolling up to the back door. i'm a sex offender and then rolling out that's all right bye it's just so stupid it's just clearly fake wig the guy buys it it honestly kind of calls back to stepbrothers when like you know they're trying to not sell the parents house and like that's like the best scene in the movie and will ferrell's dressed as a nazi and he's mowing his lawn morning fuckers y'all need some manure i got a lot what i don't care it's great um ratings i you and i are diametrically opposed this time i am impressed what are you what are you gonna rate this buddy um so this gets a butane for me you know it's it's watchable i don't really care for it it's very peggy centric and and she gets like overly mean throughout this episode she is she is like on a fucking chaos run through this episode. She just gets amped up and amped up and amped up. And for me, it doesn't work this this week. I'm apparently this is not the case for you because you loved Peggy in this in this episode and felt she was very justified with all of her shit. Um, I'm cool with it. It is just it's a harder one for me to watch, I think. So I'm not going to seek it out. At the same time, this is not a terrible episode of King of the Hill. Um. It takes a, it takes some very basic King of the Hill tenants and it leans on them, which makes me very happy. The whole last act of this is Hank doing what we know Hank does best. It's reassembling, disassembling. He's fixing a problem using his tools and his like skills. And that there's almost every great King of the Hill episode is that. That's what we love about it. The mundane aspects of his life that he is just the fucking king of if you will mm-hmm. so um yeah like i definitely don't hate this episode but it's it's just it's butane it's it's average for me it didn't really stick out too much do love that ending moment though damn do i love that <laughs> it's, it's a good ending yeah what'd you give it buddy uh, i think it's a blue flame Really? Okay. I'm, just, I'm gonna read you my explanation that I wrote when I watched this. Um, it's good. Okay. It's really good. You need zero context. Like, so and this is how I wrote it again. So, um, this is the one that you show to people. 
people with a base tangential knowledge of King of the Hill know what? That Hank is, you know, into propane and he likes his house. Uh, that boy ain't right. And that his wife Peggy is a real fucking bitch. All right, cool. Here we go. Um, everyone is used really well in this. Peggy is crazy. Yes, Bobby is at his bobbiest. Luann, I'm sorry. I, I Maybe I'm viewing Luann differently. I don't know. But like the, the Luann of old is back. But this is... Okay. This is up there on me with the on for me on the Luann scale. This is like girl, you'll be a giant soon, Luann. Like, um, Peggy is unreasonable and insane, but it's established. It's established, and like it makes sense and it's grounded. And then Hank is getting shit on because Hank gets shit on in this show. In and then he is made to do the ultimate betrayal that is you know destroying his house to save it and that is great like literally the the stakes yeah. are the stakes are here and they're high but they're also inconsequential because Hank is a master of building and yard work and propane so he can undo the damage he has done um this was i would almost say this is like the perfect episode of King of the Hill to show to anybody who hasn't seen the show but knows something about it and it's kind of okay. freaking me out i'm not going to lie i am <laughs> I am a little fucked up about the way I feel about this, but like it's it's better than a Char King. Um like and even some of the shit that I'm calling out, so shit like Bobby's acted before, Hank should be normal about it. So like I have yeah. called that out before. So at this point, the amount that I've called this shit out, it kinda negates how this isn't a thing. It is a thing. It's a through line, it's a thing. Yeah. Mark, shut the hell up. It's now been patternized, yeah. Yeah. Like it's Blue Flame. I'm calling it a Blue Flame of Valor. Somehow, somehow, fucking six actors in sorts of a house is... <laughs> this also mirrors my original Blue Flame of um, Plastic White Female. Where, like... Okay. I felt so weird about it. And then, like, as I talked about it and explained it more, it only justified my opinion in my head more. So yeah, it's a blue flame, John. That's where I'm at. Hot damn. Well, that's not where I saw this going today. Like, yeah, me too. Me too. Aaron Ehrlich, we're sorry. I take back the mean things I said about you in tears of the inflatable (laughs) clown. No, it's, I mean, Hey, everybody's allowed a redemption song. Future Mark cut in redemption song instead of Chuck Mangione. Thank you. Yeah, I think so. I was so. waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still like King of the Hill? Mark, I still love King of the Hill. This this one was a this is a weird week for me, but I I'm living it. I'm loving it. I'm I'm in it and I'm I'm here to win it. What about you, buddy? You still like King of the Hill? Dude, a goddamn Char King and a Blue Flame of Valor in Season 12. Knock me over the head with a feather, because what the hell? Didn't see that one coming. And yeah, goddamn right I do. This... We got a we got Luann without Lucky, and I honestly think that is why I like so much of this. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Johnny, where can those good people find us? Good people of internet and podcast land can always reach us at Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter, we are on uh, Facebook. Dangle Podcast is the name of the group. We're the moderators. There's like five people there. Come and join us. You can always reach out to us on email. We're danglepodcast at gmail.com. I am on Instagram at krautball. That is kraut as in sauerkraut and ball as in Swedish meatball. Mark, where can they find you? You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. 
Um, you can also find all the High Hammock shows on uh, Blue Sky. If you just search uh, High Hammock, we're there. I don't know if you guys are on Blue Sky, but I think Twitter might be dying, so, you know, just in case. But, yeah, you can also find me on our sister podcast, the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast. A weekly cinematic review where my buddy Brad and I, and sometimes Johnny, and sometimes our buddy Josh, well, we take movies that the other one hasn't seen. And we make them watch it, and then we discuss the goods and bads and highs and lows, kind of like this show. But then we discuss, when do you show this movie that you love so much that you subjected the other person to, to your children? And it is the spooky season, and we're learning that our horror tastes are terrible, and you can't show them to your kids ever. But you can also find me at the Two Wizards Podcast, where me and my buddy Josh stare into the void so you don't have to. We are well into spooky season, we've been doing spooky shit. Actually, I think when this one airs, we're out of spooky season. Fuck, I think we're into November at this point. I don't know what time is. We're like three weeks ahead. I'm becoming a stronger podcast manager. Um, Thank you for listening, guys. We really appreciate you being here and letting us be a part of your day. And we love you all, everyone. Thanks, guys, so much for listening. We will see you next week. None but ourselves can free our mind. Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop at the time